Today on CTSI Discovery Radio, we'll look at community-driven research. What is it? And how do you go about engaging communities or special groups of people? Those questions and more will be answered next on CTSI Discovery Radio. Good day, Southeast Wisconsin. I'm David Todd, your host for the next half an hour of CTSI Discovery Radio. On today's show, we'll be discussing research at the community level and how and when to take the lead from the people who you serve. But first, let me tell you about the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. CTSI is a unique eight-member consortium, including Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Freighter Hospital, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Clement J. Zablocki VA Medical Center, as well as the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, and the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. All eight institutions work together to accelerate the discovery and development of new treatments and interventions that will improve our community's health. We went to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee to sit down with Dr. Rachel Schiffman, Associate Vice Provost for Research at UWM and a member of the CTSI Executive Leadership Team. Dr. Schiffman, both the White House and the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching have honored UWM for the engaged community work that you do with more than 300 nonprofits. CTSI is just one of them. But how can CTSI support or further the work of UWM and its partners? Well, UWM has indeed fostered and continues to foster a wide range of engagement with our community, both for student learning as well as for research. I do think the goal of the CTSI to improve the health of the citizens of Southeast Wisconsin is highly consistent with many of the research projects that we have at UWM in which the community is very engaged. And the Carnegie Award recognizes not only the excellence in academics, but it also uh, recognizes preparing students for life and to be future leaders. Well, I think, though, you have to engage students through the entire, their entire learning process in the bigger picture of the society and what we bring to society and how we engage with uh, citizens uh, in which, uh, of the society in which we reside. And I think improving the health um, is one of the major areas in which we really want to see our students moving forward into the workforce and bringing that sense of community with them. And the Carnegie Award is also a designation that uh, you share with the uh, Medical College of Wisconsin, another one of the CTSI partners. Both of you have been uh, recognized for your uh, engagement of the community. How does having two Carnegie-designated community engagement institutions make our work that much more effective and easier to implement? I think it means that we both have a vision and share a sense of that community engagement and that what we do as faculty, what we do as researchers is really for a, a bigger for the bigger picture of things, for the greater good, and how uh, particularly those of us who are in healthcare are looking at how we might then combine our resources to, um, with the strengths of each of the institutions, and that's what the CTSI is intended to foster, bringing a group of different institutions together, each with its own unique strengths, and combining them in a way that will be a stronger force um, for our community, the bigger picture of things. Dr. Schiffman, looking forward to the future of CTSI, 
what excites you most about the organization that we have with CTSI and the partners we have engaged around the work that we do? I think we've worked very hard in the last few years to um, to work within and develop a strong partnership, a strong consortium that I believe is perhaps a model in the CTSA world because so many of the CTSA institutions are one institution with a number of schools and colleges and the diverse disciplines within one institution where we have had to craft a unique, perhaps, uh, um, consortium that really can move things forward and have had to overcome a number of barriers but there has been a group that has been together now for a few years and really res has mutual respect for each other, knows and understands each other's strengths, and is willing to work together to foster the, the goals of the CTSI in particular as, and how that benefits both our in individual institutions and our faculty and our researchers as well as the bigger CTSI component. And of course, at the end, the larger community. And at the end, the larger community, exactly. <laughs> Dr. Shipman, thank you so much for your time today and for sitting down with us. And congratulations again on the awards from the White House and the Carnegie Foundation. Well, thank you very much. And Dr. Shipman is right when she says that together we are stronger than any one of us is alone. When we come back, we'll talk with Dr. Saeed Ahmed, Senior Associate Dean for Community Engagement and a Principal Investigator for the CTSI Grant. We'll be right back. There's nowhere in the world that I would rather be than with you, my love. And there's nothing in the world that I would rather see than your smile, my love. For united we stand, divided we Dr. Saeed Ahmed is the Senior Associate Dean for Community Engagement at the Medical College of Wisconsin and joins us today to talk about the art and science of community engagement. Dr. Ahmed, as the Director of the Community Engagement Program of the CTSI, can you explain to our listeners what community engagement means for an academic health facility like ours? And what does it mean to the greater population to be engaged in community research? Thank you, David. The first thing about community engagement is that this is a skill, uh, both art and science, how you listen to the folks. When you ask me, can you tell me uh, to the listeners, my point is, that is the critical part. How do you listen? How you listen community's perspective when you go there, talk to them, understand their view. And you use that discussion and dialogue, we call it bi-directional dialogue, to come up with your plan and program. And the faculty and academics needs to understand that community engagement 
is built on a platform of very much bi-directional dialogue, reciprocal learning. Also understand that this is built over time and because community engagement is very much trust-based concept. And you don't build trust in one day or two days. It takes time. And without the trust as a key ingredient, no relationship lasts. So that is the most critical part is listening and building the trust. So what does it mean then uh, for the community to be truly engaged in um, uh, research? So community is also looking at the academics uh, also as a partner. We are part of the community. The ac every academic health center is lying inside a community surrounding us. Communities want to see that our doors are open. They understand that this is a large institution, but they also want to find out there are partners inside the academic health center who could partner with them to address their health issues and other issues of relevance. So for them, that's the most critical part how you partner with the academic. That makes sense. I'm Dr. Ahmed. CTSI just finished its inaugural Community Engagement Week at the Medical College of Wisconsin. What is the one thing that came out of that week that we didn't know going into it? This is the first time, as you mentioned, David, we did the Community Engagement Week. That was a major undertaking. Uh, there was concern, to be honest, that will you get enough attendance to begin with? We had significant attendance, plenty of folks, both from academic side and the community side, they came, they enjoyed, they participated, created huge networking opportunity for themselves. Uh, the thing that was actually more revealing to me, the whole concept that some of the days we did our program in the community, like the walk the walk. So for some folks, that was quite exceptionally new idea but we wanted to make it relevant. This is what you're talking about when we say community around Milwaukee. So those are the kind of things made it different and I would say more exciting. We also talked about, discussed with our folks, the how you miss doing a good community engagement pro program or how you fail doing good community engagement program. So we discuss on the both side because that's what the critical part was which you have not done before, and we started looking at a higher level of learning. So we created a more learning community by going through the Community Engagement Week. And the interest and excitement at the end was, we need more. And that was the one thing I wanted to hear at the end. That's what we heard. That we needed to be out in the community more to be able to get this community-driven research. Exactly. And community engagement cannot be inside the four walls of any academic institution. And I always say to everyone that if you are always in your office, you may not be doing community engagement uh, because you're supposed to be in the community. So, and that is also a skill you have to learn. You have to have time. You have to have energy. You have to know how to do it. You need to make sure your partners are with you and you develop programs. So to make all of those things happen, you have to spend significant amount of your time walking the walk in the communities. That's the truth. Doctor, if you had to summarize your vision of community health and community engagement, what would you tell our listeners is currently the biggest barrier to working closely with the various members of our community? I would say, you know, the barriers is, to me, actually more in our mind than anywhere else. And I call, sometimes I call it philosophical barrier. The, as an academic institution, some of us 
understand the value of community and community engagement. Some of us have been doing that for years. But at large, sometimes this is an academic institution, very research-driven institution, understanding the value of community engagement, or even understanding what is community engagement means, is critical. And to be honest, community engagement is defined so many ways, people get confused. What are the boundaries of community engagement? What are the principles? How you create trust? How you develop a program? How you really finish a program? sustain a program. So, so many facets to that. So, I would say having more people understand and see the value in it. This is part of our social responsibility, the way we do it and see it. But people has to get the mindset to be there. From community side, if you think there's barriers, I would say, and that's what I hear when I go out, is they have some challenges finding folks to partner with. You know, there are not enough folks to go around. And there are hundreds of partners we have, but there are more hundreds they could have partnered. Do we have enough academics to do that? No, but we are training and moving it forward. So that is a big barrier, and I would say more we have people know how to do community engagement program would really make a difference. But also I want to finish in a positive note that we are doing something right also here. And that was shown by receiving the Carnegie Classification for Community Engagement in 2015. This is a major national, I think, recognition of community engagement. This is, there's nothing higher level of recognition that exists nationally for community engagement. We received that in 2015, and we are only one of the four medical schools ever to receive it. So what I'm at the same time saying that, yes, we do not have enough, but I would say we have done in last 10, 15 years a significant amount of work in the medical college to put us on the map. So we really are becoming leaders in community-driven research and community engagement. You're absolutely correct, David. We are exactly there. We are very nationally known, internationally known too for the research we also do. Because we also look at in the science. We, I call it art and science of community engagement. You cannot have one or the other. At the same time, we're training ourselves how to really make it art. And this is the combination of both art and science of community engagement, which I believe and excites me. Thank you, Dr. Abed, and congratulations on the Carnegie designation as well. I know it's a very rare designation for a medical institution. Congratulations. Thank you, David. I appreciate you talking to me today. And I appreciate you sitting down with us, sir. Thank you. On the other side of this break, we'll head out into the community and talk with one of our newest members of the CTSI team, Dr. Gary Ross of Community Health Charities. Stay with us, we'll be right back. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I think to myself 
And as Dr. Ahmed said earlier, there are hundreds of nonprofits that are looking for a good partner, and they have an excellent one in Dr. Gary Ross, the market executive for Wisconsin for community health charities. Good afternoon, Dr. Ross. Dr. Ross, you have extensive experience in business and in finance. What made you passionate about the work that you do? I, I couldn't tell you, you know, there was no one spot. One of the things that had always been something about me is that I noticed how lonely people were that had, that, that were subjected to certain disabilities, uh, physical, um, you know, uh, mental, whatever. They always seemed to be outliers or outcasts. Uh, just because of the way I was brought up and whatever, I always kind of felt a little bit lonely. So I was fortunate enough that I didn't have those those hurdles to jump over, and I always tried to help. Um, I never felt like I was helping in the way that I should. So I think that was that was part of the passion to say when I get to a point that I can, I want to be able to help those people in some way, shape, or form. The other thing probably was because my grandfather was a very inspirational man, um, and to me, he was a farmer, but he was kind of like my pseudo dad. At, certain points of my life and grandpa always did these things very quietly never really you know wanted the praise didn't need the applause of the crowds and I think I learned that uh, working to make people's lives better is really why we're here yeah it's nice to make money but uh, a phrase that I use all the time and people kind of go oh I really like that is I derive so much psychic income from what I do I can walk away from a day that I have spent working for um, the causes, the missions of our members. And I'm a whole lot higher than I am than if I'd hit the jackpot in Las Vegas. It's just, it's just who I am. That's excellent, Doctor. Your passion has led you to grace, and that's excellent. Tell me about Community Health Charities. Who do you serve? Um, tell me about the organization. Community Health Charities is a federation. Um, we have been chosen to be the sole agent uh, by, it varies, but about 70 um, well-known and not so well-known uh, medical health charities in the state of Wisconsin. We represent them uh, in employee giving payroll deduction programs across the state. Uh, in the two major markets in Madison and Milwaukee, we have a working relationship with the United Way. They act as our fiscal agent. Um, we do not get United Way money, but we work very closely with them. And we, uh, they allow us into the hundreds and hundreds of campaigns that they are in on the private side, just on the private side. In Milwaukee, it's about 2,000 companies. In Milwaukee, in Madison, it's about 1,000. And we're able to present our charities as a choice to employees. Uh, one of the neat things about it is that it allows our charities to do what they do individually uh, and not have to worry about this. This is, as you can imagine, kind of a labor-intensive, uh, very inefficient for them to do, but because we've been doing it for almost 50 years, we've got it down pretty well. We work for the employees because it allows them to contribute to organizations that may be important to them um, and not have to do it all in one big hunk. They can contribute a couple of bucks a week, 
and that's a real nice gift to our members. Um, and it's really uh, a valuable service for them. Uh, it's, these are dollars that are used, uh, that are non-restricted, so they can use them for what they need them for. And non-restricted funds are so hard to come by. Anybody in the nonprofit world will go, oh my God, yeah. And we're able to, to we've provided about two and a half million dollars to our last year, to our charities, and we're, we're somewhere in the two and a half to three million dollar range for the last 10 years. How often do researchers or institutes like CTSI get to take the lead from the community that has told us what's important to them? There's not a lot of it. There's not a lot of connections. And I think it's part of because of the way research is organized, and it's part of the way the organizations that could benefit from the research are organized. Um, I talked about it with many of my friends at CTSI, and I talk about silos. And having been a dean uh, in, a, in a university, I can tell you that's what a university is. It's silos. Nobody talks to anybody. Um, it's, it's almost like a game of warfare. It's scramble for resources, and it, it's really the way it has been. I think we're at a point where we're starting to realize that resources are no longer um, able to just go to a specific small area. Um, there is demand by um, some mid middle parties that says that you have to show something. It has to be um, done in a more collaborative effort, and you're going to have to take some direction from end users. I'll bang the drum that I think the thing that has probably done more about this is health care reform, medical care reform, because people aren't getting paid if they don't do certain things. Uh, accountable care organizations, uh, some research-driven grants uh, that have to be, uh, there has to be a demonstrable collaborative component to what's going on because we can no longer afford to just do research for research sake. God knows I love doing that. Give me a set of numbers and I'm happier than a little kid with you know a candy jar. But there has to be meaning and purpose to it. We've become so sophisticated in medical care. We night the example I, I use is nurse practitioners, PAs, advanced practice nurses know more about medicine than my family physician did when I was a kid. Why? It's just because of the breadth of knowledge. Specialists have blossomed. When I was growing up, the specialist was maybe a cardiologist. Orthopedics were just coming into vogue, but then you hit a general surgeon, and half the time it was your family physician. You think about that, and that isn't that long ago. And now you think about, just in the last five years, what's happened with medicine. I was talking with somebody today, and there's a little thing that a German researcher has come up with that you swipe your forehead, and not only it's temperature, but it's blood pressure, it's oxygen, it's your heart rate, and a couple other things that put in, and you load it into your smartphone. Now, it's got to drive some people crazy in the medical profession, but on the others, that means people are becoming involved. Up to a certain point, people weren't involved in their medical care. They weren't motivated to do it. Now they have to be. So it's, there's a lot of different things going on here that are um, starting to bring things together. I think younger researchers are understanding that more. Um, some of the more gifted administrators are starting to understand that they just can't do what they used to do, um, but it's not going to be easy. I mean, this is, this is hard. 
how will we go about engaging the community? Is it going to be through technology? Is it going to be through the younger generation? Yes. Next question. <laughs> um, one of the things that we're encountering is a group of people, and I'm not going to put a generational fence around them, that are becoming more involved in decisions about themselves. One of the things when I interact with uh, some of the medical systems is that it isn't just the millennials, and it isn't just the baby boomers. I've seen some of my senior friends know more about what's going on because they have taken advantage of all of this computer technology. I think physicians are becoming more comfortable with the idea of turning over a little bit of their practice to those nurse practitioners and advanced practice nurses and PAs than they have been in the past because now they're understanding this is a good way of being a better physician. Something that I always find fascinating is when one drug or one pharmaceutical all of a sudden they find out by whatever has an extraordinary impact on something that's totally unrelated to them. Some of the things that they're finding that worked with heart disease, all of a sudden they're finding out work with other things. And um, I'm always big on aha moments and I'm always big on blinding flashes of the obvious. And it's, to me, that's an indication that silos are being broken down and that people are starting to talk more. They're sharing information. To me, it's amazing. They're starting to broaden what they're reading and broadening their knowledge, uh, which is, when I was preparing for this, I was thinking about that, and there's always the, the idea that when you, the more degrees you get, mm -hmm. the smarter you are. And my view of that, and I think a lot of my colleagues is, yeah, you're smarter, but you're smarter about less and less. And we become comfortable in that less and less field. And I think what we have to do is become more comfortable with looking outside and saying, okay, we're smart. Let's take a look at this. And does it make sense? And oh, yeah, by the way, let's talk about this. Dr. Ross, how do we go about soliciting the intellectual contributions of all the members of our community? in all aspects of um, inspired research questions, in participating in the process from beginning to end. How do we get that man on the street, end user, to really be interested in research from the start to the end? The only way that we'll be able to do that is to motivate people to contribute. Getting back to my prior comment, um, one of the more amazing things I found is that I don't have all the answers. And sometimes the answers are not to be found in the libraries uh, and the research laboratories of the universities. They're in talking with people that may be related but have not had a voice in the system. We have the ability to dig out data as we never have before. Uh, wouldn't it be neat if somebody who's working at United Healthcare down in the bowels of, a, of their computer center notices something it says you know i'm seeing a lot of connections between this and this and this how come why is that and has the ability to raise their hand and say hey i don't know if i maybe i found something i have no idea what it is but there's something there uh, and the biggest resource frankly is these centralized databases and i know one of the things that ctsi is doing is tapping together so they're going to be getting information that they may not have seen before. Um, there has to be something to motivate people to do more than just get together at a conference in New York once a year and listen to papers. 
and maybe you go to the right session, how do we make sure that the gems or the correlations or the, the linear relationships or the nonlinear relationships come to light? And I'm not saying that we all have to be experts in it. I mean, that's impossible. But on the other hand, if we can do enough to bring this information together and let the information folks sift and winnow it, uh, we're probably going to be leap years ahead of where we were just maybe a decade ago. Um, so in a way, we are benefiting from the technology, but we're also going to be benefiting from the people who can look at it, not worry so much about equations and numbers and formulas, but saying, you know, there's something here. I'm not sure what it is, but maybe we should look at it a little bit closer because this is going to benefit people. Dr. Ross, is one of the main areas that you're going to focus on is engaging the community with CTSI and researchers? Yes, um, primarily community engagement. We're, we're in the preliminary areas and we're still trying to figure out who we are and why we're there. Uh, but I have this built-in network. I know these people and the relationships are there. And it's one where um, it, it, it's really fascinating to see what they're doing. Most of them have, in some way, shape, or form, the same mechanisms. They've got a research component. They have a programmatic component. They're very good at connecting to people who connect with them. And one of their biggest tasks is getting to the people who need their services who are not aware of the services. So what I see my role and my other colleagues is that we have to go out and preach the good, the good story, that there are resources here that are available for you, and we want to interact with you, but making sure that people understand that we want to combine the efforts rather than just continue to run a cavalry charge where horses are going in different directions, and that's all fine. We're all, you know, equi equifinality says we're all going to get to the same end at some point, but what I would like to do is get to that point a little quicker. And uh, it's surprising that when people know there's resources there or people to even talk to or just to sit down and get some ideas, um, it's, it's a pretty exciting thing to do. Uh, and that, that if I can just do a little bit, that would be, you know, that'd be way beyond anything that I could ex expect. Thank you, Dr. Ross, for your time. Excellent information, and I really appreciate it. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Are you looking for even more information about research and your health? Just log on to ctsi.mcw.edu. There, you'll find more than a dozen programs on research and the community, ranging from topics on type 2 diabetes to managing sickle cell disease, heart disease, and more. This has been CTSI Discovery Radio, produced by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin, in collaboration with WMSC Radio. The show is engineered by Tom Crawford, with special thanks to Sandy Everts and Drs. Herman Feetz and Reza Shakir.